From the Orange County Fire Authority, this is the Pass Along Podcast, where we address firefighter issues from top to bottom, from your helmet down to your boots. Now, here's your host, OCFA's Assistant Chief of Organizational Planning, Mike Schrader. All right, welcome back to the OCFA Pass Along Podcast. Uh, Today, we're going to be finishing up with our IT folks as they walk us through uh, network speeds at the stations and the new 800 megahertz radio. So take a listen. Um, but now that we've gotten into our new new CAD system, uh, IT worked with AT&T and at, at no cost really, um, we, we just finished, uh, and it took us almost two years, uh, we upgraded fiber to all the fire stations. <laughs> so what we went, we went from a 1.4 connection to a five meg connection with no cost to OCFA. Executive management just approved IT to take the next step. So we've started the next phase, which we're bumping every fire station to 50 megs. So we've gone from 1.4 to 5, and now we're going to 50, um, which for the most part, probably most people have at home. All right, so that's coming up, and I highly encourage you to go back and listen to part one of the podcast uh, from last week. And there's just a lot of good stuff on there, including, uh, you know, just things about cybersecurity and how to combat it. And obviously, it has application to the fire authority, and certainly uh, that's the impetus for this podcast, but also think about it in your own personal lives. There's no shortage of uh, phishing operations or, or cybersecurity threats that come to our personal email as well. So I think it'd be beneficial um, not only for work, but also for home and family. Uh, for now, though, let's um, look into some of the uh, more news and noteworthy topics. Let's start with some recruitments and promotions info. Um, since we last talked, uh, Bill Lockhart, Battalion Chief down to Battalion 6, just recently been promoted to Division Chief. He'll be heading up to Division 7 to replace outgoing uh, or retiring uh, Dave Steffen, Division Chief up there. And we, um, we want to simultaneously say congrats to Chief Lockhart. Uh, and we'll know who, we know he'll do a great job up there in the North End. But also, uh, just a profound thanks to uh, Chief Stefan. What a great career, uh, great man, great leader, and uh, been so uh, so blessed by his uh, participation in uh, the Air Ops program, um, whether from the crew chief standpoint all the way up to program manager, and then uh, providing oversight. So obviously, it's been no shortage of uh, interesting times in the Air Ops world over the last few years, and. Chief Stefan has really leaned in there, and we, we so appreciate all the efforts, uh, both with that and also um, the cities that he serves up in Division 7. So thanks, Chief Stefan. Also, we have uh, six candidates who are moving on to the eligibility list for Battalion Chief. Um, they are Fire Captains Steve Doman, Kevin Fetterman, Dave Harper, Steve Hurdle, Jeter McAlpin, and Scott Wiedensoller. Um, each of them will be attending the two-week Battalion Chief Academy starting on Monday, March 19th. And then that eligibility list will be good for one year or um, until all the names have been exhausted. As you know, we have uh, no shortage of uh, openings uh, with the BC rank and with the recent announcement of um, Chief Schultz's, uh, Rick Schultz's retirement from Battalion 5, uh, there's an additional spot. So um, uh, we're trying to triage or titrate using a medical term. Um, I'm sure I'll hear about that one. Um, to basically feather in the new uh, promotions for the battalion chief because each one of those takes away a fire captain's position uh, and as a result we're already down um, so many fire captains we don't want to continue burdening that at the same time we're also trying to leverage the fact that battalion chiefs benefit when they have a battalion uh, a chief who's permanently assigned there for for connectivity and continuity with the city with the staff um, and with the area. So it's that, it's that balancing act that we've been doing thus far and we'll continue to do that um, with these six who are on the eligibility list. 
Um, but I, I guess most importantly, we just want to say congrats to you six. Um, great job, and, and really to all who partake, uh, partook in the process, um, from those who tested and also for those who helped put on um, a pretty extensive process. So thank you. I want to shift gears now, uh, news noteworthy as well. Uh, talk about the independent review panel. As you know, following the Canyon 1 and 2 fires, um, we initiated an independent review of some of the issues that have come up after the fire. We also initiated our AAR, our, our traditional after action report, and then we also uh, had the county uh, initiate their own investigation. So all three of those processes are moving forward. I would say uh, it'll probably be the independent review panel uh, and AAR that'll be tied for uh, completing first. Uh, they're both uh, putting together their drafts. In fact, I think the AAR is in draft form um, and is at the fire chief's desk now being reviewed. So more to follow on that, on the rollout on that. The independent review panel uh, should be coming in draft in the next weeks, a uh, couple weeks or so, and then we'll share that as well. And then last but not least, the county investigation or, um, or review rather of the Canyon 1 and 2 fires is still ongoing. And I would anticipate that'll be more uh, in the area of multiple weeks, if not months away. All right, moving on to uh, Garden Grove. Um, as you know, we uh, are wrapping up the process to uh, propose to the city of Garden Grove a fire service proposal. And uh, we have that in draft form, doing some final um, tweaks to that. And then that should be before the board shortly. Um, and then we'll update you appropriately there. All right, uh, that's it for news and noteworthy items. And I uh, want to turn it back to Captain Jim Day with part two of looking inside uh, some of our latest and greatest in the IT department. All right, welcome back everyone to the Pass Along podcast. This is part two of an information technology uh, series. Our first episode, we covered uh, cybersecurity and new computers and passwords. In today's episode, we're going to cover uh, internet speed at the stations and the new radio systems. I'm here today with some of the, our information technology experts from the OCFA. Um, first thing I want to do is introduce Joel Burdowski, who is the uh, information technology manager. That's correct, Jim. Thank you. Uh, we're glad to be here. Thanks for uh, taking the time to talk to us. You know, uh, we're kind of the geek squad here, and we do our best to meet the needs for OCFA for all the technology stuff. So we brought our A-team here. And to my left, I have Dave Johnson. He's the IT assistant manager. Dave, you want to talk a little bit about yourself? Sure. Hi, my name is Dave Johnson. I'm the assistant IT manager over communications and support services. Um, kind of oversee all radio gear, IT gear uh, here at the OCFA. Thanks, Dave. Uh, we also have Scott Johnson, our IT supervisor. Scott, want to say something by yourself? Yeah, my responsibility is over the infrastructure and help desk. So everybody that works in the help desk reports to me as well as uh, infrastructure where we do, you know, wired wireless networks out to the fire stations and ECC support and so forth. So just kind of everything. All right. And we also have Perla Rodriguez, our help desk uh, IT tech superstar. Perla. Hi. Yes, my name is Perla Rodriguez and I work at the IT help desk, um, helping all the field and administrative staff. Thanks, Perla. And who we don't have today is our GIS staff, who's also part of the IT section, as well as our applications development staff. Today, we're focusing on our user support side and our infrastructure and comms. All right. We also have Tom Hobbs here, engineer from Station 55, who is our uh, radio guru uh, for the past 25 years. Uh, he's going to talk a little bit more in depth uh, about the new radios that are going to be coming out here pretty quick. Glad to be here. All right. Cool. Well, let's get right into it. Um, Let's uh, 
take a minute to talk about um, problems with our station computers. It's good that we're getting all new computers, but in the past, the internet speeds have been super slow, slow, right? Right. I mean, (laughs) painfully slow. So much so that the guys are, I mean, I would routinely just log log on to my laptop uh, onto the station Wi-Fi and so I could watch the video newsletter or do work whatever I need, you know, whatever I need to do because it's just so slow. Yeah. Are we making improvements to that? We've made improvements to that. Okay. And we're continuing to make improvements to that. So, so we were, we were challenged with our old CAD system um, to have uh, some older technology and communication, uh, which was called the T1 line. It was a 1.4 megabit uh, connection. And that, that we were really limited. We couldn't do anything. Forty-year-old um, technology. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it was for for us. It was killing us too, uh, knowing that you guys were going through this. Uh, but now that we've gotten into our new new CAD system, uh, IT worked with AT and T, and at at no cost really. Um, we we just finished, uh, and it took us almost two years. Uh, we upgraded fiber to all the fire stations. <laughs> so, what we went we went from a 1.4 connection to a five meg connection with no cost OCFA, all fiber. So we've gotten rid of copper. Um, that that's a huge undertaking. That's that's every station running new fiber lines, and and all the guys probably saw us there, um, multiple trips to make that happen. Now now that we've gotten kind of our backbone to our stations on fiber. Now, now it's really just what can we afford and what can we get approved to, to go to go forward. So, um, executive management just approved IT to take the next step. So we've started the next phase, which we're bumping every fire station to 50 mix. So we've gone from 1.4 to 5, and now we're going to 50, um, which for the most part, probably most people have at home. Um, so that that's by the by mid February we should be done with all the fire stations at 50 meg connections, which should enhance your application experience with staffing and offers and some of the things that, that you may struggle and even the internet browsing. Um, so that that's a huge. I mean, since I've been here, that's that's a huge improvement on the infrastructure side for OCFA for the stations. That with new computers and a lot of the things the applications group doing, it's it's a it's a big improvement. So. And, and also, Jim, we just upgraded RFOTC as well. Well, we're, we approved it, so as all the stations are upgraded, we just upgraded RFOTC to to bigger connections as well to get faster throughput. Yeah, and, and if you look at our network, we're we're kind of like uh, kind of like a, a bike, a hub, hub and spoke. So OCFA is is our headquarters is the hub. So all the fire stations fiber connections connect into our data center here um, at headquarters. And then we provide uh, services for email and so forth, and as well as your internet access. So any time someone at the station opens a browser and goes to Google or any of the other sites, they're actually going across that new fiber line into our data center, then out our internet, uh, which last year we just increased our internet uh, big time as well. So uh, we're, we're, we're looking at all the areas we got to improve, and we're making a lot of great improvements. Um, and it's, it's actually been kind of fun to watch. And hopefully, you know, guys will start to see these improvements and see that we're, you know, we're looking out for them and we're trying to make things better. Okay, so firemen speak. We put in bigger plumbing, yep. and we're starting to boost the pressure. But we haven't got there yet, quite yeah. yet. So, so, so before we were trying to suck a rock through a straw. And now we've just opened that straw up so we can get that rock through. So now we just need to, now we just need to be able to push the rock through. So that's coming coming soon. Uh, it's a lot of it's done. 
Okay. Uh, we're, we're probably we're probably about 75% done now as we speak. And within the next week or two, we'll be done with the other stations. And there's really nothing, now that we've put that fiber in place, there's nothing for us to do other than really throw some more money at it. And AT&T, just kind of on their end, just kind of cranks up the knob a little bit, like turn up your radio. So that's what we're waiting on now, it's just to yeah. So so it. Yeah, and, and that's that's all been done. So okay. we're, we're, we're good. I, I think, I think by, by the time people are listening to this podcast, it's probably already completed. Sweet. Very good. Cool. All right. Um, so it's been kind of nice seeing these improvements. Uh, I'm not going to lie. Uh, the iPads were huge. I mean, the brick. Uh, I don't even know. For, forget what they're even called now. I'm glad I just put Motions. it out of my mind. <laughs> the old EPCR, those tablets. Those are awful. But... Um, so now we've got the iPads. Everybody seems to be pretty happy with the iPads, and there's so many more things we can do with them with the different applications, the map reading apps, you know, everything we can do with them. That's a good thing. What's next? Um, are we going to be looking at phones? Because I know for, for myself, I'm sure Tom, everybody out in the field, um, we're constantly using our, our personal phones to call alarm companies, call the BC, hey, I got a problem. Um, we're on a, we're on a traffic accident and I've got to call some teenager's mom to let him know that, uh, you know, Hey, you need to come down and pick up Johnny. Um, we're constantly using our, our own personal devices and sometimes they get contaminated. Sometimes we lose them, you know, depending on what's going to happen. Um, is there any talk about putting a phone on each engine? Well, we would totally support that in IT. It's not a technology limitation in, in any ways. It really is a budgetary issue. And that's something I think if, um, OCFA uh, operations was able to get the budget together, we'd certainly support getting that going in all the apparatus. You know, we already have broadband in the apparatus now with the AVL modems and with our, you mentioned with the uh, EPCR iPads and with the MDCs as well, so it wouldn't be difficult for the phones either. So it's it's definitely doable, it's just a, a funding it's source. It's just a money issue, It needs to right? be budgeted for. You know, and right. and to be to be honest, we do get some price breaks from the phone companies for phones here, so, you know, some of the... We don't always deploy the newest phones right away. We get a pretty good price on some of the older phones. So I don't think that'd be that hard to do if we were able to um, uh, take some hard look at some of the funding for that. Okay. So someone just, someone just this could be the catalyst to for someone to push that, start pushing that up the chain to make that happen. So Absolutely. And, and it's not just a phone, right? It's not like we're going to Verizon and buy a phone and we deploy it. There's, there's a lot of back-end application support that we have to do on the infrastructure side to make sure you know, with our mobile device management that we have control of everything and we protect our, that, that area as well. Okay, cool. All right, I think uh, we've covered a lot of um, IT stuff. Uh, one of the biggest new um, things we've seen in a long time are new radios. So we just got done with the big training push and we were all gung-ho to go with the new portable radios and then we ran into a snag. Can you kind of just talk about what that actual battery charging problem is how that's being addressed and when you think we can start seeing the radios come jim the new uh, radios use a smart battery it's called an impress 2 battery and unfortunately it was late in discovery we found out during training that the new batteries were not getting the all, all the information they're supposed to get from the charger like the amount of charge available the the fuel gauge that shows up and that's a critical part that we think that the operations folks need to have and we we did a lot of um research into that uh, we were led to believe that the advanced tech battery chargers would work. They're not satisfactory. So we've uh, put together a purchase request. It's going in front of the board on February 22nd to purchase 600 uh, new Motorola in-vehicle chargers. So we'll have 
multiple chargers installing in the vehicles to charge the radios in that will develop the full charge and provide all the information for the smart batteries. Perfect. So I would assume, Dave, that seeing as we're no longer switching out the um, the old charger, just the head, that we're going to have to do a complete full reinstall, and that's probably going to slow things down a little bit? It'll slow the deployment down. Uh, it'll, it'll go from a 15-minute swap out to about an hour to hour and a half, depending on each type of vehicle. Okay, so it's going to slow it down a little bit, but yes. so hopefully we'll, we'll, we'll in the next month or so we should hopefully start seeing those radios start trickling out into the battalions. That's correct. Absolutely, and we're already installing the new mobiles, right, Dave? Yeah, that's correct. We've also, um, the mobile pack sets, uh, when it's a simple swap out of the uh, the pack unit itself, and the, the head remains the same, uh, those are being done currently. Okay, very good. I know I just got mine, and it's definitely an improvement. That screen, the color screen, it's bigger, it's brighter. You can actually see it for us that have uh, less than perfect eyesight anymore. It, it makes a big difference, so... I think you guys are going to enjoy having those new uh, mobile radios in your fire engines. Well, we appreciate uh, the patience. We definitely wanted to do this right the first time. We didn't want to get something going and have to back out of it. So I uh, apologize for the, for the delay. It looks like we'll probably lose about a month overall before we really get rolling again, getting out there. But we've got thousands of them to go, right? Yes. 1,050 radios we'll be installing. And it's going to be a big project. We've got staff hired to, to supplement our resources to get out there and then go as fast as we can. Okay, very good. Tom, um, let's talk a little bit about the, the radio itself. I mean, you and I have been around here for quite a while, and we've had these radios <laughs> since the beginning. Um, yeah. so, what's the catalyst for the new radio, other than they're just old? <laughs> well, Motorola has a um, cycle of their construction of radios and support of radios. And as of our last radio that we had before the 3000s and the 5000s, we kept those for seven years past their service life. And it was only through the support of uh, Orange County Sheriff's Communications that we were able to keep those radios alive that long. Um, this time we got ahead of it. We got into the first part of the replacement cycle. Um, these radios are really newer. Um, they, don't, they don't see this um, platform sunsetting for another at least seven years to maybe even longer. Um, and so it was getting harder to find support and bat and parts for the old radios number one number two um, the new radio or the old radios didn't support over-the-air programming and a couple other technologies that our new um, countywide co coordinated communication system um, would need to keep go keep growing um, so the old radio itself was going to be just literally obsolete in the system they couldn't be over the air program, they couldn't do some of the new technologies, the new encryption and stuff like that. So um, it was driven by the government mandate that all all communications, public safety is P25 compliant. And we'll get to that, I know, down the line here in a minute. But that is a government standard so that all public safety agencies can cross communicate over, over different platforms. That's what that whole P25 means. Right. Let's just get into that right now. <laughs> okay, so P25 is a standard it's like your um, am and fm radios in your car they have am modulation they have fm modulation p25 is a digital modulations and it's a standard so just like your betamax tape and your vhs tape and now your cd drives and your they all have these standards that they're designed to work with so that when somebody builds a product that i need to talk to this this 
other manufacturer's um, product can talk over the, so they can talk together. So it's a standard that all communications platforms are built to. And it was decided, God, probably 30 years ago, that they wanted this for public safety agencies because they recognized that guys, uh, police officers and firefighters have to work together. You might have to also work with your public works people. And they wanted them to have a common platform that everybody built their radio communication standard to. And P25 was it. They, they developed it over many years. And so now we're getting into what's called P25 phase two, which is the next generation and which allows for much more um, broad use of the technology. In other words, cross platforms like internet, um, voice over internet protocols, um, having your phone be a radio, having your computer be a radio, just all different Plus. things. Plus you can utilize it. There is um, talk that they're gonna make the radio be able to also communicate over Wi-Fi. So if you're not in a cellular signal, but you have a Wi-Fi signal, you can still talk. So there's some growing, you know, there's some technology looking down the line that we wanna get ahead of, and we wanna have a product that can actually support it. So we've been telling everybody in the training that, you know, we're still in the analog system. Everything is essentially the same in the new radio that's in the old radio with the exception of the 14 talk around channels. Um, tell us some of the things that are going to be happening when we go all digital here. What is it next next year, right? Um, At some point next year. 2019, 2020. End of 2019 and beginning of 2020. Um, so first of all, the... The signal, the, the analog signal, just like you say, your car FM radio, and I don't know, some people have HD radio. Well, if you tried to listen to HD radio on an FM radio, you'd just hear noise. It's just, just a digital scrambled signal. Same thing with the technology that you're, they're using now. So the upgrade will allow us to have more communications within our frequencies. In other words, we can actually put data and voice across the same path. So if we want to send a GPS signal from the radio along underneath our voice, that'll be able, that'll be possible. Um, it's not going to be enabled yet, but it's something that's possible. So we'll have awareness of where all of our firefighter radios are, um, including the mobile radios. They'll have a GPS signal as well. Um, another thing, the um, technology allows for a little bit more um, use of remote operation of the radio. In other words, if the radio is not on, they could, you know, they've always been able to turn them on remotely, but it's really, it was a difficult process. Now it's going to be much simpler. Um, it'll be a lot easier to locate the radio, kill the radio, do whatever we need to do to the radio, plus the facility of over-the-air reprogramming. Um, our current radios, most of them hadn't been touched in their lifetime. They were programmed, they were sent out to the field, and unless they broke, they were, they were good to go and they performed miraculously um, but if they ever wanted to make a change to those radios they had to physically go out and touch each and every device that's a huge undertaking I mean how many thousands of radios in the county but just our agency alone a couple thousand do it every Mobile. year with the BK right yeah yeah we have about 1500 active 800 megahertz radios so that's 1500 connections from a cable that you have to do and all of their stuff now that goes away after the last reprogramming that was just done um, couple few months ago the radios now everything they need to have done to them can be done over the air they don't no longer have to and our current templates that we provide or that we've been using those were designed 25 years ago 
and we never changed them because it was such an, a labor-intensive undertaking and cost involved of getting those radios changed. Now it's a much easier prospect. So we'll be able to make changes as we need them um, a little bit quicker. I mean, it's, it's still going to take some vetting and some obvious, you know, agreement on everybody's part and the operations and, you know, all the t players come together that make up communications. You're going to want to make those changes because you want to make them very judiciously because you don't want to change something. Oh, we want to go back to that. You want to make a change, but make it a positive change, not have to go back. So some of the other changes that we're going to be seeing when we go digital with this, uh, uh, once we go over to digital, it's something that there was something that was left out this go around has to do with when you change the channel. Okay. Uh, I forget what you call that. It's called channel announce. Channel announce. And everybody knows that it's a painful process to, if you're all in your turnout gear and everything else, somebody says, hey, go to this channel. You got your big gloves on. That's why we bought the radios with the big knobs. Um, but you still have to pull the radio out, look at the screen, make sure you're in the right zone, change the channel, and then look and make sure that's there. And if you're right. trying to look through a smoky BA mask, really hard to do. Or it's in your pocket. Right. So now. Orco 5 Alpha. So every time you change channel. Orco 5 Bravo. The radio will tell you. You don't have to look at it. That'll be pretty cool. So that's a huge thing for a lot of guys. And I know myself, I've had many times where I've, thank God I had a, a speaker mic on the radio because I had my big gloves on. They were wet. And the radio all of a sudden comes out of my hand. I got to reel it back in and look at it and say, oh, I'm, okay, I got to change channels. And that was a reluctance in a lot of um, operations uh, scenarios where you didn't want to ask somebody to change the channel because it was that difficult. Now it's going to give the guys a lot bigger thing. And the radio knobs are really stiff, so you don't change the channel accidentally. But if you were to bump the radio and did change the channel, at least now you're going to know about it. It's not going to be all of a sudden, how come my radio is so quiet? So I understand also we've been telling the guys that we'll have a, a command group, potentially. So that's something that they have to do. And again, something that can be loaded in over the air. Um, I know you've got a couple of radios that you guys are uh, testing out right now from the, the code group. Um, and they're going to be able, and it's going to be very similar to the BK radio. So you'll be able to move channels from different zones into your own zone that works best for you on a shift or whatever. Um, that still has to be vetted through operations, training and safety, and the equipment committee. But I think it will be a good thing. We just have to come up with some policies on it as far as do we zero that out in the beginning of the shift, or do you come up with a standard that everybody uses for that station, how, is that, how that's all going to affect everybody. But, yeah, it's going to be very, very similar to our BK radio command group. Cool. One of the nice features too that uh, some of the some of the folks may not have gotten in the training is the um, uh, the preset buttons on both the mobile and the portables. Correct. Correct. So the the keypad and again, hate to keep relating back to your car stereo, but we all spend a lot of time in our cars. Um, your car stereo, when you push and hold the button, and the memory is the station that you want to listen to, the memory button number one. Well, the keypad on the mobile radios and the portable will act the same way. So if you want five Bravo to be memory button number one, you know, even though your home button is also taking you to five Bravo, but especially if you're going across the zone, you can put in a memory button for a different zone and a different channel number. So if you need to switch to two Delta or two Foxtrot or whatever to work with Metronet, um, you can set that up as a button and you just have one button to push rather than 
going through getting a zone, getting a channel, and all that stuff. Yeah, so. that'll be really helpful too. Um, anything else uh, as far as the radios that we didn't cover already or haven't covered in the training that that you can think of off the top of your head? Um, not a lot of things. Um, there is the the radios. Even our current radios have a lot of features that were never enabled and it was just due to like again to say that the fact that it would take so much to get out there and change every single radio um, as new features become available they're still developing features for this radio um, so the technology will probably still grow and we'll be able to meet that need because the radio comes with all the technology inside it it's just enabling it through the programming um, so as things come down the line I think we'll it'll be a a, a thing that grows with us instead right. of just having something that stays the same and we we work around it this will start working for us we're just kind of scratching the surface of what it can do so Absolutely. that's good cool all right um we've got the new alerting feature on the radios that uh, people seem to be liking they really like it um is there a is that is that going to end up replacing the pagers you know i know people have worked at station 22 who are worried that uh Something like this could could lead to even more sleepless nights in the future. You know, having to take that radio into well, the station. Well, I actually with worked us. at Twenty Two a couple of days ago, and they've they're getting their new alarm system, which is really nice because we were the about the second or third night, and we were able to actually program the the each dorm room for the lighting and the alerting, and it was huge. Unfortunately, two of the rookies didn't get the memo, and they're went off all night long and they kept getting up <laughs> unfortunately for them but um it it was a huge step forward for that station having been there for 10 years myself it was a nightmare and the paging system or pagers the way we had it set up originally was a great step forward for us but this is going to be huge so well that's good to hear tom i'm unsolicited by the way uh, <laughs> i'm glad to hear because we just went live and, and scott can talk more about it um we, we wanted to do 22 as one of our first station upgrades with the new, what they call a Westnet Smart Station. It's the same uh, alarm system installed at Station 56 and 57. And we knew it would be a difficult station because there's some unique, the dorms are unique, but they don't have the full full height walls and everything. And with these dorm remotes that you're just describing, every individual can log in for their specific unit that they're assigned to that night or that, that shift, and they'll only be alerted for those units. They won't, won't wake up everybody else here. And it's it's really a cool system. Uh, just went live last week, yeah, and uh, the night it went live, and <laughs> the crews were a huge help getting that going because that's always a potentially disruptive event trying to change out station learning, not interrupt station operations. But I think Scott's team working with uh, the crews out there did a great job installing that, and we're 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 eventually going to install that in every one of the fire stations and uh, throughout the authority. Um, and we, we're doing it right now on twenty and sixty one also. Both new stations as well. Yeah, so right now, right now new station-wise, I think it was 56 was our first brand-new station. Right. Uh, 20 and 61s will be another brand-new build. Uh, 57 was a refurb, and 22s is uh, retro. Uh, I mean retro, not refurb. Um, so then, yeah, it, it's, it's a pretty expensive process, and it's a pretty long process to get done. Uh, 22s, I think the guys were there for three and a half weeks. Um, and, and it's big kudos to the, to, you know, the crews there, because believe me, you talk to them the amount of testing they had to hear going over and over to make sure we had it all right. Um, but, but the key is, is, is like you said, you know, back, back in the day you would go to a station and they go, well, this is the firefighter's dorm, or this is the captain's dorm. And, and, and now it's really anybody's dorm, just as long as you go in there and, and you tell it what engine you're on. 
Yeah. And that's that's cool is, is, is to have that zoning so people can sleep when it's not their call. Gone are the days where you had to unscrew the light bulb over <laughs> your dorm so it wouldn't go off at night and all that other stuff. So. Well, and and one, of, one of the cool things is, you know, we hear a lot of guys go, man, you know, we get up in the middle of the night and you get these bright white lights and 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 with within the dorms now when the alert goes off for your your engine um, or your unit um it's a, there's an led red light that kind of displays and, a path and it's adjustable and it's adjustable <laughs> so if you don't need it too bright you can take it down that's right um but uh, everything ties in i mean the doorbell uh one of the things we know that a lot of people like is having that kind of that test button when you had a school come through and, and be able to kind of do an alarm test. We put that back in. Uh, there, there's radio monitoring on and off switches, uh, emergency button at the front door. If you have a walk-up medical aid, you can hit the red emergency button. It announces to the entire station that there's an emergency at the front door. Um, so there's a lot of nice features. It's just, you know, we're, we're going station by station and uh, get, knocking them out. Uh, but Jim, at the start of your conversation, you mentioned the uh, PaxNet alerting. And that's one of the features of the WestNet system is uh, the Westnet system uses our new Ethernet connectivity we have to all the stations to alert the stations, uses the TCPIP protocol. And as a backup, it uses our 800 megahertz radio system. So if for some reason the Westnet system can't alert the station over the computer network, it'll immediately go to 800 megahertz radios and it'll alert, alert the station through the radio system. Well, because of that functionality, we can also send paging alerts through the radios to the crews. Now, that's not meant to replace the pagers. Uh, the pagers, you know, as old as those things are, the technology, they're really really good at what they do. It's a dedicated 900 megahertz system that the county owns. Um, the big risk is that it's an old system. You know, the, the guys at the, at the Orange County Communications describe it as your, your Toyota Corolla 250,000 miles on it. Runs great. Might blow up tomorrow. You know, and so there, there's some concerns. There's some pretty big investment needs to be made in this paging system to keep it going. And they only have a finite number of spare parts left for that whole system yeah the, the finest spare parts the the experts that run it are getting pretty old and i'm gonna say they're they're retiring out and so yeah i don't mean the guys that are retiring out now the guys that retired 20 years ago that, that built it yeah that, exactly. that built the thing so we are looking at alternatives to the paging system uh the paxs does give the crews at least one other option there so they can get alerted on their pack sets. And, oh, I've got to go to my MDC. Something's happening. Well, but one, one of the, one of the things, you know, that the pagers offer, um, even though they are old and there's good coverage, uh, it's got a great coverage compared to like a cell phone. Uh, but if we put all of our eggs in one basket with, with the radios, if we have a radio failure and that is your alerting and your communication, well, we've kind of taken away from ECC to, to send out maybe a mass page or whatever. So we're always looking at redundancy to make sure we have multiple paths. If we had a failure here, we can still go here and communicate to the field. So they're not going away. They're just, at some point, we're going to have to be looking at some sort of a new system to potentially they're replace either an them. upgrade to the existing system or a replacement. Okay, cool. All right, so the, the quote-unquote rip-and-run CAD printers, uh, for years I've always thought, I'm not even sure why we have these, but the whole goal is that their MDCs are in the rig, the bell goes off, you go straight to the rig, and but there's still some people that stop and pick up that hard copy, but I, I think there's few and far between now. Are, are they staying around? Are we going to just keep killing trees, um, or, or are those going away? Well, it's, it's kind of, you're right, we get a lot of calls saying, hey, come pick up this printer we don't use anymore. We turn it off. Every time I turn it on, we get reams of paper come out of it. Um, and, and it really becomes, it's kind of an operations decision, right? Because it, it's there at every station. And it's expected uh, for the fire crew to that it, it is there and operational. So we can't take one out 
and not the others. So I think it's going to have to be a global decision that, hey, we're going to go away or we're going to replace or we're going to do something different because we do get a lot of calls into the help desk uh, from a few different individuals that call and still need support to get it working to make sure it's working for them. So if, they, if we take it out at, at your station, and they come working overtime at your station, and they expect it to be there, we've kind of reduced you know, some, some of the tools that they have to do their job. Cool. All right. Well, I want to thank all you guys for coming over and um, being a part of the podcast. I, I know the guys out in the field appreciate all the upgrades that we're, we're going through. It's nice to see things are, are happening, and um, um, I know we just really appreciate it. So that's all I got for now. So we'll see you next time on the uh, Pass Along podcast. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Well, thanks again to uh, everybody who participated in that panel discussion. Uh, wow. What a, uh, there's so much information out there uh, between these two podcasts of everything that's going on in the IT world. These, uh, they're really just unsung heroes that are behind the scenes making things work at the Fire Authority. Um, so we're, we're super thankful for them. Uh, these folks do a great job keeping us up to date with the latest and greatest, whether it's cybersecurity or technology or bandwidth or or what have you, and, and no shortage of buildings, uh, Right 74 buildings, um, including our, our, our large campus here at the RFOTC, and then hundreds of pieces of apparatus that have, uh, whether it's just a light and a siren or an MDC, um, the IT section is heavily invested in making those vehicles go, maintaining them, and even getting them outfitted when they first come into our agency. So remember, if you have any questions um, about the IT world, uh, you can give them a call, send them an email, and uh, they'll be sure to take care of you. All right, next week we have a special podcast, be an interview with uh, Fire Chief Patrick McIntosh. Uh, and remember, his last day as our chief will be Thursday, March 15th. And then at the conclusion of the board meeting there, we expect to hear the name of, the re of his replacement. So some pretty exciting times coming up for the Fire Authority, and uh, make sure to stay tuned for that. Uh, Jim Day, uh, actually, will uh, follow up with, be sitting down with Chief McIntosh uh, as early as this next week to review the latest stint uh, that he served here at the OCFA and really give us an opportunity to get the latest and greatest with uh, Garden Grove and air operations and other pertinent and pressing issues that are before us as well as an opportunity um, to just glean any final words from him uh, before he rides off into the sunset and retirement again. <laughs> so uh, until then, let's continue to watch out for each other and we'll talk to you soon. <laughs>